this morning I want to look at this idea of a new year and uh, I want to look at a, a fairly familiar passage to some of you but to some of you this morning it might be a, a, a new passage. As we, as we head into a new year we need to understand there's not really a lot that's changed. It's another day and yet like many of you the new year represents some things for some of you and so for me, typically, it means I go through all my computer files, I back everything up for 2015, it means I start 2016 folders, it means I get a new desk calendar, I actually you still use one of those, I have a new calendar I hang on the wall, you know, we go through all of those kinds of things as a, as a new year. But it's also kind of a time, I think, for us to step back and maybe do some evaluation and look at the past year. So um, I, I kind of want to take a look this morning at, at, at Paul because Paul comes to a point in his life where he does this. It's actually near the end of his life. And Paul is um, writing to a church at Philippi. And uh, it's, it's, one of, it's, it's one of the prison epistles. So when Paul writes this, he's writing it from prison. Paul is somewhat reflecting back on his life. He's trying to deal with some of the issues that are in the church of Philippi. Just, and some of the issues in Philippi were the same things as the church in Colossae that we, we went through uh, last year. And so he's dealing with some of those things. And so Paul comes to this, this passage in which he talks about kind of the past, present, and future. And Paul gives us some insight, some very, very unique insight to a believer, who, somebody who put their faith and trust in Christ, who wrote most of the New Testament, and gives us some insight as to his thinking and his focus and how he deals with the future. And so this morning, we kind of want to take a look at that and learn a couple of principles to help us as we go forward um, into a, a new year. So uh, the passage is found in Philippians um, chapter 3, uh, and we're going to start in verse 12. And I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to walk back through it section by section. So uh, Philippians chapter 3, um, here's what he says. Not that I've already obtained this, all this, or I've already achieved my goal, but I press on towards to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting that which is behind and straining towards that which is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for, the God, for which God has called me, heavenward in Christ Jesus. I want to kind of walk through this just section by section as we go, and, and I want you to understand, first of all, how Paul sees himself. Because I think it's important. Notice he says, not that I have already obtained all this. In other words, Paul's coming to a point in his life where he's, he's, he's probably 30 years into his Christian walk. And Paul said, here's one thing you need to know about me. I don't have my act all together. I don't have it all figured out. I'm still a work in progress, is what Paul says. Now look, that is so important that we understand that. Because some of you are frustrated because you, 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 your idea of church is that it's a whole bunch of people who have their act all together. Because, you know, we all come in and we look right and we dress a certain way and we act a certain way and we, we talk a certain way today. You know, because that's what we think church is. And some of you have the impression that, that, that for church it's like, okay, when I get my act all together, maybe I can be a part of something like this. Well, if you get your act all together, we don't want you. <laughs> Honestly, because none of us have our act together. That's what we want you to understand. 
We are all a work in progress, and we're all in this thing together, and we're all trying to learn and grow together. That's, that's the whole thing of a church and a Christian journey, and, and, and we all got our, our, our issues and our problems and our struggles and, and what we're trying to figure out. And that's what Paul says. He says, look, he said, not that I've already obtained it all or have arrived at my goal. He said, I don't have it all together. He said, I'm still a work in progress here. He said, I'm still figuring stuff out. Um, and, and, it's, and it's interesting because as, as Paul looks at this, he's, he, you know, this isn't a guy who's going, you know, hey, look, you know, you know, hey, I got it all together here. He says, look, he said, I press on to take hold for that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He said, look, he said, all I'm doing is God got a hold of my life and he saved me and he's changing me and he's continuing to change me. And he said, so I'm going to continue to try to let God change and work in my life to be what God wants me to be. And so he, he lays that out kind of as the whole foundation of this thing. And, and I think that's important for us to understand. And then he goes, um, brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself to have yet taken hold of it. In other words, I, I, haven't, I haven't grasped everything yet. But notice what he says, and this is important. He says, but one thing I do. All right, now I just want to stop there for a minute because I think this is a key to this passage and I think it's a key to the life of Paul. Paul says, this one thing I do. He so said, I'm going to focus on this one thing. Now, I think that's a key for a lot of us today because one of the things that we're finding within our culture is we have more and more and more and more options and we have so many choices, and we have so many possibilities, and we have so many things in front of us that if your life is like my life, here's what you find yourself. You find yourself in a given week going in a hundred different directions. And if you have like ADHD like I do, then you get sidetracked really easy with all of the stuff. Because it's easy to go, okay, I'm focused on, oh, okay. And this, this idea of focusing on one thing I think is huge for us. Um, it's interesting, D.L. Moody. Um, D.L. Moody wrestled with this principle after the Great Chicago Fire. And after the Great Chicago Fire, one of the things that D.L. Moody said is, he said, I'm going to focus on one thing from this point on in my ministry. I'm going to be an evangelist. That's my focus. And it allowed him to focus his life in a certain given direction. And that's what Paul says here. Um, one of the things my wife and I do, um, we started this about a year or so ago when we were getting ready for Josh and Alex's wedding. Um, we're in the process of, you know, they wanted um, uh, orange in a wedding. Um, it, it, anyway, they wanted orange. And so, so they wanted some unique orange vases. And so my wife and I started looking for some unique orange vases. And then, of course, those of you who know me know my fascination with glass. And so we had remodeled our, our bathroom, and we were kind of trying to put some decorations in there that were unique. And we found out the orange looked really cool. So... My wife and I then started collecting orange glass. Now, don't go buy us orange glass as a gift, okay? Yee, time out. Um, okay, so, uh, but here's what happened. So, what would happen is, um, the more I started looking at this, the more I started studying, the more I started realizing in glass work, you need to know. What, you don't need to know it, but I'm going to tell you. Um, <laughs> orange is a very difficult color in glass to work with. Because orange often... And, and, and glass strikes what we call brown. Um, most of the time it strikes to what's called a Godiva brown. So like a Godiva chocolate, ladies, that'll help you. Um, it, 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 it strikes to a brown color. So, so when you fire glasses, it heats up. 
orange is a very difficult color to maintain as orange. Uh, so orange glass pieces to me are very, very unique. So what started happening then was <clears throat> I started getting this fascination for funky orange glass pieces. And I don't want a vase. I wanted something to look like really cool or something really odd vase. So we start, I started paying attention to those. And then I got fascinated with the idea of I don't want something that's mass produced. I want something that's hand blown. So <clears throat> I say all that to say this. So now here's what I'm after. I look for orange, unique, hand-blown glass pieces, okay? So my wife and I do, we like going into, when we have some time, we like going into antique stores and going through all the stuff. So we were down in Omaha this week, and we had some time, and we went to an antique store uh, mall thing, you know, and you know, if you've ever been in those, you know how they are. It's like rows and rows and hundreds and thousands of of everything that you had as a kid that you threw out that's now supposedly worth money. And, and it's just every collection imaginable. And the one we went into is massive. So we went into this massive one. And here's the thing. We only had like 25 minutes because we were going to another deal. We only had like 25 minutes. And so I said, well, let's just stop in here and look. And, and here's the thing. I got through half the store in 20 minutes. And here's why. I'm looking for one thing. So I go by a booth. Nope. Nope, 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 no orange. Eh, nope, mass produced. Boom, ma, 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 ma. And I found one. I found one piece. Um, I had actually I found two pieces, but my wife told me it was red instead of orange, so I couldn't get it. Uh, <coughs> that was a really cool piece. But it met all my requirements hand done, signed, unique. And it was actually really unique because it was purple and orange. Um, and sign and everything else, and the beauty of it is like 30 bucks. And I'm like, bingo, you know, because it's got to be affordable too. But here's my thing. It makes it very easy for me when I walk into one of those places. I passed all the Texaco stuff. Nope, not interested. I passed all of that stuff. Nope, not interested. All the games. Nope, not interested. All the Star Wars stuff. Nope, not interested. Bingo, orange, glass, hand done, bingo. Boom, 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 boom. Why? One thing. One thing. It was easy for me to say no to thousands of other things. You know why? Because I was looking to say yes to one thing. Now listen, that is such a simple principle, but it is such an important principle. The reason some of you are struggling in life is because you're saying yes to everything. Instead of figuring out what is that one thing, what is that one thing as a spouse that you want to do this year? What is the one thing as a parent you want to do this year? My wife and I used to have a deal where we would sit down once a year and we'd talk about one thing we wanted to work on with our kids, just one thing. And so often when we got into issues where, you know, okay, we need to do with this and we need to do, wait, 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 Let, How does that relate to the one thing that's really important for what we're trying to develop in our kids this year? What's the one thing? What's the one thing you want to accomplish in your job this year? What's the one thing that you want to do at your house this year? One thing. And, and this is such a simple thing, but it is so profound. And what Paul says is when it, come to a spirit, when it comes to a spiritual life, when it comes to his life as a well, whole, he's got one thing that he's focused on. So when people come to Paul and say, hey, Paul, can you come over and preach over so-so? Paul will go, okay, I'm going to see how it fits my one thing. Hey, Paul, can you do it? I want to see how it measures up to my one thing. And what that means is that he had a lot of things he said no to. 
Same thing with the life of Christ, by the way. Christ had one focus. What was that? Glorify the Father. Father, not my will, but your, your will be done. That's my one thing. And so as you come to it, he says, this one thing I do, and he gives it kind of in parts. He says, first of all, forgetting that which is behind. He said, one of the things that I do is I, 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 I put the past in the past. And I think we forget that. Now, the idea here of forgetting um, that which is behind, let me give you some, some definitions here. It's the idea of absolute and complete forgetting. The analogy is actually of a runner who passes somebody. Now, those, some of you ran, and you know, I did in high school. The dumbest thing I ever did, but I did run in high school. That's when, you know, I wasn't fast enough to be a sprinter. I was too slow to be a long-distance runner, so, they gave, so I ran the 440, which is not a sprint. It's not long. It's like, okay, we don't know where else to put you. You do the 440 and the 880 relay thing, and it's like, okay. Um, <clears throat> but here's what I did learn. When you pass somebody, as soon as you pass somebody, you know what you're focused on? The next person in front of you. You didn't run around the track like this. You would glance back once in a while to get a perspective of where he was or where she was, but then you kept on moving forward. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, look, the past is something you glance at, you get a perspective, but you keep going. He said, I'm, I'm forgetting the past, and it's that idea of press, and he uses this idea here. He said, um, forgetting that which is mine and straining towards that it was ahead. Here was the idea. The idea was the chariot races um, of the day. And have you ever seen the chariot races during that day? They were, you know, again, it was like anything else. The smaller you could make it, the lighter you could make it, the faster you could go. So the less stuff that you put on it, the faster it could be. And so in the chariot horses, if you look at them, the, 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 the things, there was not a lot to hold on to. And so what would happen is it was a whole balance thing, and they would lean forward in it. If you, here's a modern-day thing. If you've ever done a Segway, this is a great illustration of a Segway. If you've never done a Segway, put it on your to-do list, okay? Um, they are a hoot. Um, but on a Segway, here's the idea. You stand on this thing and you learn that it's all about balance. And on a Segway, all you have to do is go, ooh, and you're moving. And you go, ooh, and you stop. And you do, ee, and it turns, and you do this, and it turns the other way. If you're conservative, you won't wreck it. If you get a little gutsy, you, you, can, you can fall off of one. And, and I know from experience, because if this is fun, this is a lot of fun. Um, uh, but anyway, when you get on a segue, you ever get to do a segue, do a segue thing. But here's the thing about a segue. All you do to go forward is you just lean forward. It's all about balance, and that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, look, he said, I'm leaning forward. I'm straining I'm going forward to that which is in front of me. Look, there's a reason your car windshield is bigger than your car rearview mirror. Okay? Because you're going forward. You're not going backwards. And so many of you are running through life looking behind you and spending all your time focused on your past. And look, the past is great to give you a perspective of where you've been or what's behind you, but it is not your focus. And that's what, that's what bothers me sometimes with younger Christians. They get so hung up on their past. Oh, but I did this, and I did this, and God can't use me, and de, 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 de. And that's Satan's job. Satan's constantly going to throw that up in front of you. Satan's that guy who's tailgating you when you're, in the, when, you're, when you're driving down the road. 
And they're just obnoxious because they're riding right on your bumper. Whether you go fast or slow, they're just right on your bumper. And that's what Satan does. He just wants to be that obnoxious guy riding your bumper all through your life. And, and some of you got to realize that because you, you're letting him win. And you're letting him get to you. And you're letting him focus you on your past and all the stuff in the, in the background behind in your life. And Paul said, and by the way, you need to understand that Paul had a lot of junk in his life that he could have focused on. I mean, you understand that Paul was a guy who originally in the church hated Christians so much he walked into church, Christian churches. He would then see who was worshiping God. He would haul them out and have them executed. And in some cases, be there for the execution. And then later in his ministry, he would come back and preach in some of those same churches. Can you imagine, Paul, after he's done a service, and somebody comes up and goes, do you remember me? No, I don't remember you. Well, let me tell you who I am. You came to our church 10 years ago. And at the time, I was 15 years old. You took my dad out back, and you had him killed because he was a Christian. I'm a son. That's what you did to my dad. Now, let me tell you something. Paul said, forgetting that which is behind I press forward because there was a lot of junk in Paul's life. There was a lot of really, really bad, horrible stuff in Paul's life. And Paul said, you know what I've learned? If I spend all my time focused on that stuff, I'm not going to get anywhere. And he goes on to say this, straining towards that which is ahead. And here's his one thing. I press towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul said, you want to know what my goal is? My goal is to make my life count for Christ. He said, that's it. That's the one thing I'm going to do. He said, that's my, that's my one thing. His goal, that, the goal is just to focus. What are you focused on? What, what are you pursuing? What are you pushing after? What is it that you're going to push for today, tomorrow, the rest of the year? And Paul said, look, that's what I do. You want to know who I am? That's who I am. You want to know what I'm about? That's what I'm about. I'm not going to let my past trip me up. I'm not going to get hung up on where I am in the present. I'm, I'm moving forward. And I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you as we head into this new year to really take a good, hard look at your life. So I've got three questions for you this morning. Here's the first one. What's the one thing for your life? What is it? I say it this way. What do you want to put on your tombstone? They're going to put the date, you're going to put your name, and they're going to put when you were born, they're going to put a dash, you're going to put when you, when you died. And sometimes, they're going to sum up your entire life in one word or one phrase. I don't think you can really live until you know what that word or phrase is. I know what it was for Paul, and I know what it is for me. I have never told anybody what I want written on my tombstone. And I will I'm not. My wife doesn't know. My kids don't know. I've never told anybody. <clears throat> because here's my thing. I believe that if I live my life in such a way, they'll figure it out. And if they can't figure it out, then I haven't done what I accomplished to do in my life. But I know what that word is. I know what that phrase is. 
And so for me, I measure the things that I do by that word or that phrase. Is this going to help me get to that word? Is this going to help me get to that phrase? And some of you have never stopped to think about what your life is all about. You know, some of you have this idea of life, you know, I'm just here. No, 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 you're here to make an impact on this world. You're here to make your life count for Christ. If you're a believer and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it's not about you, it's about God. And you've got to know what that is. What is that one thing? What is that thing that, that drives you? What is that thing you want them to say? Because one of the questions I ask when I do a funeral, I have a whole series. I have about 15 questions that I ask a family when I put together a eulogy. You want to know what the first question is? Describe their life in one word. Describe their life in one word. And over the years, I've heard it all. For some people, it's very easy. And it's amazing. In some situations, everybody comes up with the same word or a word very similar right off the bat. And unfortunately, I've had some situations where people have sat there and looked at me like I was a three-headed antelope. And they got no clue what to say. What's the word? What's the phrase? What's your one thing? What's the one thing your life's going to be about from this point on? Second thing is this. What do you need to leave behind in 2015? For some of you, today, tomorrow, next year, you're going to carry stuff that you've been carrying for years. When are you going to let go? How long are you going to hang on to it? How long are you just going to keep letting it eat away and peck away and just take chunks of your life out every year, year after year after year after year after year? How long are you going to let Satan ride your bumper on that and just keep irritating you all year long? At what point are you going to put it the past in the past? <clears throat> if you know me, you know that, as my wife says, I watch Redneck TV, okay? Um, and, and one of the shows that I've started to watch is... Um, uh, the Curse of Oak Island, I don't know if any of you have seen it, but it's basically about the Templar treasures and maybe even the Ark of the Covenant and things like that that have been lost and they've been searching for it on this island. Anyway, sh long story short, it's on like the History Channel, something like that. Long story short, I don't know if it's all true or not, I don't know. It's just fun to watch these guys dig up an island. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, there are two main groups that for years have been working on this thing. Here's the irony of it. Some of them own part of the island, some of them own the other part of the island. They've all been exploring for years, but they had a riff years and years and years ago. And they wouldn't start sharing information. So these people know stuff that these people don't know. And these people know stuff that these people don't know. And they have, had, they have butted heads for all of these years. Well, these guys, two guys are getting old up in age now. And they found a fairly significant piece, and it was linked to this other guy's deal, and they're trying to figure out what to do. And So finally they said, you know what, let's just approach him and see what happened. And they have this meeting, and I know it's all TV, and I know how it plays out. But anyway, they have this meeting, and here's what the guy says. He says, you know what? He said, we fought over it too long. He said, we're both after the same thing. He said, let's work together and see what happens. And they put it behind them. And now they're actually working together, and they're finding out he had all, he had all the clues that were all the clues that they needed, and they had all the clues that he needed, and they actually might be able to get somewhere now. 
And I, and, and I sit there and I watch it and I tell you, how true is that for so many people? That, that we get hung up on this stuff and we just hang on and hang on and hang on and hang on. And we don't put it behind us to move forward. And that's where some of you are right now. You've got stuff that you just won't let go of. Look, in my world, when we're standing at a graveside, you know what I hear? I hear things like, I wish we would have put it behind us. Or, I watch when somebody gets really sick and then all of a sudden people start to come together and they put the stuff behind them and then they regret for all the time that they lost. Look, you've got to let some of that stuff go. You've got to put it in the past. And you can't let Satan keep beating up on it. And, and here's my question. What are you going to leave behind this year? Because you know what? There's stuff in your life and there's stuff in my life we just need to leave in 2015. And every once in a while, glance to make sure we're going down those paths, not going down those paths again, but we're not going to focus on it. We're going to keep going forward. And then the other question is this. What are you going to do different next year? None of you have made it. None of us have arrived. None of us have our act together. We've all got things that we can learn and grow from and do different next year. So what is it going to be? You know, what are you going to work towards? Here's my challenge to you. First of all, know what that one thing is that you're about. And then look at the areas of your life. I suggest you do it all the way across the board. I suggest that as if you're married, that you take one thing that you want to do different this year with your spouse that will improve life. Just one thing. All year long, one thing. Just one thing. Pick one thing that's going to be your focus. That's it. I hate to go down this road, but this is the only way this gets real for you people. So here we go. Guys, I'm going to pick up my dirty laundry. That's it. That's your year deal. And you're going to do it all year long. You know how much better your marriage would be? You know, wives are going... Oh, can I get the tape to send to my husband? Can I get, you know, no, okay, look, one thing. Wives, one thing. One thing you're going to do different for your husband this year. All year, one thing. You know, one thing. Those of you that have kids or grandkids, what's one thing you want to focus on with those kids and grandkids? One thing. You, you see, we try to do so much stuff. Just focus on the one thing. You know, what's one thing you want to do different in your job this year? It's one thing. You know, when, when we go to conferences, and I always tell people this whenever we go to a conference, you're going to hear a ton of stuff. You hear a ton of stuff. Just pick one thing. You know, all, and they tell you, okay, when you're done with this session, write down your action point. Write down your action point. Write down your action point. You walk out there with 50 action points, you don't do any of them. Hey. Okay? Pick one, just one. And that's what I would challenge you with this year. What are you going to do different as, as we head into New Year? You know, whatever that is. What's that one thing you're going to focus on? Because we try to do so many things, and we come up with our, our New Year's resolution thing, and we got 15 things on it, and, 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 you know, we're trying to do it all and juggle all the balls. And it, uh, look, 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 look. If every year you focus on one thing, 
In the next 10 years, you've made 10, at least 10 major changes to your life. 10. And if I've done 10 things in my marriage and 10 things with my kids and 10 things in my job, guess what? I've started to become more like the person that God intends for me to be. Instead of going, okay, I'm going to do these 10 things in my job and these 10 things, one thing, one thing. And I just want to challenge you this year because you know what? There's a lot of stuff ahead of us. And here's what you're going to find, just like I do. The options and opportunities for your time get greater and greater and greater. It's interesting, um, at the Y, there's a board up, and, it, and, and they talk about volunteering and stuff like this. And I, I was fascinated when I saw it this last week. <clears throat> and it had time, money, and gifts or talents or whatever it was categorized. And you know what they had starred next to time? Your most valuable. Your most valuable gift was your time. Because we're in a culture now where time is so precious because there are so many things that are being demanded of it. And you know as well as I do, you could spend on any given night, if your world's like mine, on any given night, you have plenty of things to choose from. And it's easy to get wrapped up in that where you're doing a lot of stuff, but you're not, you're not doing what's important. You know, you're doing what's urgent. And you've got to be careful getting into that trap. And, and I want to just challenge you with it that, that for some of you, you really need to step back and focus on some stuff. So what's the one thing for your life? What do you need to get rid of for this coming year? And what do you need to do different? Let's make a difference. So I end with this. Paul reminds us that the focus of this life is to be in a forward direction. We can't change the past, but we can learn from it. And we can use it to help our focus as we go forward. Our ultimate goal is making a life that counts for Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, help us. <clears throat> Lord, in our culture, I'm convinced that Satan keeps us busy so that we really don't do what is important. And Lord, for most of us, when we come to the end of a day, we can check off a lot of things on a to-do list. But the reality of it is, Lord, things that have been important have gotten pushed aside. Because, Lord, we have been driven by the tyranny of the urgent, and we've constantly run from this to that to that. Lord, help us to be focused this year. Lord, for some here, you never really struggled with the idea of, of, of what their goal for their life is, what they want their final epitaph to be. For others, Lord, they've gotten so stuck on their past that, Lord, they're, they're just stuck. They can't go forward. They can't go back. And, and they're just frustrated with life. And, Lord, they, they, they live in a world of despair and, and hopelessness. Lord, would you help them to realize that that's not how you intended them to live life? Would you help them to realize, like Paul did, that, Lord, the past needs to be in the past? And, Lord, for each of us, May we set as our goal to come to the end of each day, at the end of each week, at the end of each month and year, to be able to say that uh, our lives are more like Christ than they were the day, the week, the month, the year before. Lord, help us to realize that we're all a work in progress, that none of us have arrived, but that, Lord, we can all become more like you each day. So use us 
and uh, allow the world to see a difference in us. These things we ask in your name. Amen.